Welcome to an all-new episode of Fast Friends Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Cummins, at Logan Cummins on Twitter. And on today's episode, I'll try to make friends with entrepreneur and chief executive dude, Sean Riley, faster than I go through a 48-pack of dude wipes. Hi, I'm Logan Cummins. I'm a former pro wrestling creative, a mediocre stand-up comedian, and a ranch-dressing aficionado who lives beyond my means. This is my weekly podcast where I set out to make friends with each and every one of my guests. Sometimes it works. Other times, not so much. Sean, welcome to the Fast Friends Podcast. Thanks for having me, Logan, and thanks uh, for being a loyal Dude Wipes user too, man. Appreciate that. Yeah, we... uh, Poop is a... <laughs> Poop gets brought up a lot in our house. Um, we, we talk pretty openly about it and things like that. So we'll get into that, I'm sure, a little more. But um, big fan of the Dude Wives product. Have been for years. Um, so it's it's awesome to have you here. Um, I'll give you just a quick premise of kind of how the podcast works. It's structured in three rounds. So in the first round, it's called the fast forward round. I'll just kind of go through some stuff um, that I found about you, your life, career, the company, like stuff like that, and ask questions. The second round is called five for five. So in this round, it's um, I have five questions prepared for you. I think that you have five questions prepared for me, or you get the opportunity to, to make them up on the fly and ask me five questions. Uh, so we'll ping pong back and forth. And then we'll end uh, with a fast friend's fortune teller and a friend request. Any questions before we jump right into round one? No, man. Let's do it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so this is the fast forward round. Uh, I know that you, if, if my research is correctly, you graduated from high school in Orland Park, which is a suburb here in Chicago. Were you born and raised in Orland Park? Uh, yes, I was. Yeah, born and raised in Orland Park. Awesome. What Graduated um, from uh, Carl Sandburg is the high school out there. Oh yeah, I'm very I'm familiar. I've driven past. <laughs> I, I'm in Glenview now, but um, I was in the Pilsen neighborhood up until earlier this year. So, um, been here for f- 15 years on a five year plan. We're crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what um, What was it like growing up in Orland Park? For people that haven't been there. Yeah, if people haven't been there. It's uh, it's a pretty classic suburb. You know, you got. Uh, a little a little mix of uh of different income levels so you definitely got the neighborhoods over there with like the mansions and kind of the sprawling side of orland park and then you got a little bit more of uh you know the grittier side um but uh you know a lot of a lot of soccer fields golf courses um and just kind of a uh, a pretty chill uh nice um, suburb for the most part and the mall that's the other thing yeah they're famous for is the orland park mall so they built that in the 80s i think or the 70s and it kind of put them on the map um but yeah fast growing place i think it you know it used to have dirt roads and you know five thousand people in the 50s and um you know now it's probably closer to a hundred thousand and you know malls and and every sort of commerce you could imagine so um, yeah, definitely a place that's seen a lot of changes over the years. Yeah, I, I've been to that mall. That I, I actually had to get one of my iPhone upgrades done there at the Apple Store. Um, I, I love a good mall. I'm ready for malls to like resurrect and have a comeback. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, that was that was the childhood thing to do, right? Go to the mall, and uh, I think I think they will come back. I think they'll change, and you know, um, but uh, but everyone likes going to a, a mall and walking around and getting something to eat and popping into stores, especially uh, when you're like a teenager and stuff. Oh know? yeah. Yeah. It was uh, so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. Um, are you an only child or do you have siblings? I have two siblings. So 
an older sister and a uh, younger brother. Okay, middle child, right on. What um, yeah. what was what were your parents like when you guys were growing up? Uh, specifically, I have one question. What was like the worst rule you felt like they had for you guys as kids? Gotcha. Yeah, but <laughs> the worst rule. My parents were not the strictest parents on the block. My my dad um, was a nurse and my mom was a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know they they, they kind of let us uh, do our thing and and definitely weren't as strict as other people's parents. Um, so I would probably say my the worst rule we probably had that you know we didn't like as kids was uh, of course like the chores you know so oh, yeah. having to do the dishes after every dinner uh, you know we kind of always uh, despise that and so see who could get out of it and everything like that but uh, you know nothing uh, nothing too egregious uh, I didn't have to deal with in particular <laughs> yeah that's not terrible that's not too bad it's pretty normal <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, for sure. <laughs> Jumping ahead to let's go, I'm gonna go a little to like teenage years. So, probably probably spent some time at the mall. <laughs> what kind of extracurriculars or like activities were you involved in outside of um, like your school schedule? Yeah, I was big into soccer. So you know, all the time, um, weekends, all year round. So doing the whole traveling soccer uh, thing and, and practices and tournaments. So that was definitely. Uh, big uh the big hobby um but the other stuff we would do around you know the neighborhood would be just kind of your your stupid kid stuff you know (laughs) water balloon uh launch at at cars driving by the street or uh you know ding dong ditch at night or (laughs) cause any kind of havoc in the neighborhood i would say is is what we like to do um you know in our free time uh around uh around the hood yeah we we actually <laughs> ding dong ditch came up at work this week because somebody was we were talking about like ring doorbells and stuff it makes it pretty much impossible to do that these days for kids yeah right <laughs> we love doing that or it was the uh, chicken was the one too where it was dark you'd ring the ring the doorbell and then everyone would go lay down in the front lawn and uh, the first guy to get up and run, you know, when the person at the door started looking around uh, lost. So uh, we used to get a kick out of that one, too. We never did that one. Maybe I'll try that. Maybe I'll try that. We have like a, sometimes me and my brothers are home at the same time. Maybe we'll do that uh, when we go home next for the holiday. Now that we're all yeah, adults. There you go. <laughs> I'd like to do a round of that as an adult, too. No doubt. No doubt. Um, what was your very first job that you ever had? Uh, my very first job, I was a janitor at uh, St. Mike's uh, Church and School there in Orland. Um, so, yeah, we were we were the janitor staff. Um, so I was like 15 or 16, uh, probably till I was all the way about 21 or something like that. Um, so uh, pretty, pretty fun job. A bunch of my other buddies from high school worked there and we had to do everything from clean the toilets to cut the grass to you know, take out the trash in the, in the preacher's rooms and open up, uh, the campus for, you know, church at 5 a.m. on a Sunday. So we kind of did everything and anything around there. Um, and, uh, it was, it was a pretty fun job to be doing with your buddies, uh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) That's a lot of responsibility to be the one responsible for opening the church that early as a teenager. I know. I know. Yeah. Like there were some older guys who worked there, but um, yeah, there was some Sundays and we were probably about, you know, 18 before they started giving us that responsibility, maybe still in high school. But yeah, there was sometimes like if one of us assholes overslept and, <laughs> and didn't make it there, you know, the doors wouldn't be open. But uh, 
there was an old guy who lived right next door named Eddie. He was the 80-year-old janitor, been working there forever. So if for one reason any of us ever dropped the ball, he would just get a phone call and, and, and make it over there. So he was the, the fail-safe. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, after high school, I know that you went to Illinois State. Um, what was it that led you to to led you to Illinois State? Well, I was told um, if I wanted to go to college that I had to keep it in state. Okay. Um, so that uh, made it down to a couple decisions. <laughs> and uh, honestly, man, I just like, I, I felt like I was supposed to go to college. So I applied to a couple. Yep. Illinois State was the best one that I got into. And uh, I didn't even visit it before I accepted it. Then I knew I had some buddies from high school going there. So I was like, all right, Illinois State it is. I'll go there. So, yeah, uh, best high school in Illinois that I – or college in Illinois that I got into. And so I just rolled with it. <laughs> I love it. Um, <laughs> on your LinkedIn profile, it says you drank one million beers while you were there. What was your college budget beer of choice? Oh, we were uh, definitely like Bush Light, you know, okay. guys. the the 30 racks and I think I remember you could get them for 9.99 sometimes back then that was like the when you could get one for 10 bucks that was the big score but th- that, that was the go-to yeah we were a natty uh, natty light uh, in college a lot they're both I mean pretty pretty comparable <laughs> pretty comparable yeah yeah for sure <laughs> is this where you ended up meeting um the guys that would that you would later be roommates and business partners with or did you know them prior to um even going to illinois state i uh, knew them prior from going to illinois state so that was all sort of like high school or you know grade school we all kind of like ran around yeah. in, uh, in the same crew okay right on. so they were playing ding dong ditch with you probably <laughs> yeah some of them <laughs> um <laughs> And then while you were there, you managed or managed while you were there, you majored in construction management. Um, what was it that drew you to that as a field of study? I managed to major in it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I figured it out eventually four and a half years. Um, I think, uh, again, you know, just just kind of going into college and not really knowing exactly what you want to do, you know, which I think happens to a lot of people. And I didn't really think I wanted to get into business per se, you know, so the whole college of business, finance, accounting, I didn't really, you know, feel like that was what I wanted to do. Um, I remember they actually had a uh, degree called entrepreneurship you could get, um, but I didn't even really know what it meant. And I was like, well, what the hell are you going to do with that degree, you know? Um, But uh, thinking back, that could have been a good one uh, to get some early experience on. Uh, probably a lot more popular now, but back then it was kind of like, what is that? Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> um, so construction management, I just thought it was cool to be like part of projects, building things, getting outside of the office job sites and just kind of seeing things, you know, go from the ground up or point A to point B. So kind of wanted to something a little bit more substantial. Uh, obviously, it's still like a business kind yeah. of world. Uh, but yeah, th- that was what intrigued me to it. Just just learning uh, of something about more substantial than just like spreadsheets and, yeah. numbers and stuff like that. <laughs> I can respect that. Um, yeah. Was it always in the plans to come back like to Chicago afterwards? Was that like a no brainer? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that was, uh, you know, a lot about where you found a job. Um, so say if I found a job somewhere else, I would have been 
you know, down to move. But yeah, after you graduate college, you know, you move in in your parents' basement and you're <laughs> pretty frantically looking for a job. So when uh, when I found one here in the Chicagoland area, I was definitely uh, happy about that. And then, of course, you know, you want to, uh, you and your buddies all want to get a place and now that you got a paycheck and get out of the basement sort of thing. So that was definitely goal, <laughs> goal number one early on. Get out of the basement, get a paycheck, get an apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, how long how long was the um, span between like moving or coming back from college to like getting into the apartment where, where you guys ultimately would go on to, to found Dude Wipes? You know, I first graduated college in like the winter of 07 in Ten. 08. So it was like a uh, financial crisis and all yeah. that. So, <laughs> you know, I could not find a job. My first job. Then I just got a job like selling uh, roofs, you know, door to door. So we kind of knock on people's doors and, um, you know, ask them if uh, you could inspect their roof or siding and, you know, quote them if they want a new one. So I did that for about six months and um, was still looking for a job. And then, yeah, found, found a job. And I would say six months later or so, um, moved in, uh, moved into an a house with my buddy on the south side in like the Beverly area mm-hmm. uh, that he had just bought, and then uh, another six months later, um, got you know an apartment in the city with uh, you know with a bunch of guys sort of deal. So probably you know close to a year and a half or something like that. Uh, all said and done, to actually kind of get out and and be in the city and all that. Right on. What? Um, how many of you lived in the apartment? Was it, it was four? Is that accurate? Uh, we our first apartment we had five uh, five people in so we yep. had five bedroom and and the one guy paid a little bit less because he basically got like a, a glorified <laughs> closet to, yeah, been there. <laughs> to sleep in yeah for sure um, but uh, yeah big big sprawling place where guys rents are like five six hundred bucks yeah and, uh, you know um, can can have a lot of fun and have a lot of space when you got five guys all going in on a rent absolutely what um how many bathrooms did you have <laughs> we had two that's better than one <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> two full baths luckily yeah so. okay i want to read a quote that's on your dude wipes website because i've uh it, it stood out to me that you guys started using baby wipes instead of toilet paper and our lives were changed um, but then the problem was that there were no on-the-go wipes. Was that the original idea and insight that sort of led to, oh, my God, like there's, there needs to be this? Um, or was it that there were wipes that existed that weren't specifically marketed towards men? Or was it a combination of the two? I'm sorry, that was a really long, rambly question. Yeah. <laughs> I would say it was a combination. So, you know, the the, the aha moment of, you know, using baby wipes which you're not even like supposed to use and put in the toilet and kind of just seeing some people get hooked on them and um, some people never heard of them but just a very addictive like better routine that was kind of the that was the moment that led us to look into it and then we felt there was no good brands in the space so like dude wipes was kind of a brand first idea right like we should call it dude wipes. We can make this fun brand, you know, we can appeal to guys, get them to use it, you know, talk like we talk, do, do all sorts of like fun, authentic stuff. And then the individually wrapped wipe was kind of like, this is the first product we should get made with dude wipes. And we didn't see anybody else selling a product like that. 
that a guy could put in your wallet and like it was uh it, i mean literally we were making the product for us like we were making the product for like young guys who were never at home at bars at yep. the office you know like wow like wouldn't that be nice to just always have an option right on you so um yeah we kind of built the the product and the brand like specifically for like the niche and the need that we had at the time um yeah. you know knowing that we would come out you know with other ones but it, we didn't realize right away like until the customers started telling us like you know how badly we needed them also to be in a bigger pack the 48 count you yeah. shouted out earlier <laughs> like at home and all of that um which was funny because that was the first product we were using you know it was like a big baby wipe pack um but i think we just want to do something different out the gate yeah that like didn't exist and so that's why the little pocket size uh, dude wipe was uh, was the first product born yeah um, I am incredibly appreciative of the individual wipe. I think, like you said, I have a box like at work in my work drawer. I have some in my backpack. I have some in my car. Uh, like you just never know, right? So um, it's really nice to be able, like you said, to like throw that thing in your wallet and just take it with you. <laughs> um, totally, man. How did you go through, for people that had like not started a business, how did you go through like finding a supplier, doing like product testing, like things like all of that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of swings and misses on finding <laughs> a supplier. A lot of people who didn't want to deal with a company called Dude Wipes, and you know that didn't exist, and um, was a bunch of people with no experience. So, yeah, couple people, you know, we we started getting samples and and really understanding a little bit more about like how the industry works and stuff like that. And then we made a one page specification, you know, mm -hmm. early on. Um, so that is where we kind of formalized, like, hey, we want 30 of them to be in a box. You know, we want it to be uh, flushable material. You know, we want it to have vitamin E and aloe. So, so we started just putting all of that stuff, like, on one page, put our little, like, logo, you know, on top, and then started, you know, farming that out to people so we could actually get, like, a quote. So kind of use some of that... Uh, uh, RFP construction management, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, know how to kind of be like, all right, we got to really like dummy proof this and just kind of tell people like, Hey, we're making this, we need quotes, you know? So we kind of definitely fake it till you make it, uh, sort of vibes big time. Um, and, uh, we found just kind of eventually founded a reputable manufacturer. And so they would send us samples where we're like, okay, these guys like have good quality, um, and then at the same time, believed in the idea, you know, worked with us on, on a small order to like bring this thing to life and get it going. Um, so yeah, I mean, it probably over a year, maybe even closer to a year and a half of all of that, you know, finding the right person and, and obviously it wasn't a full-time thing either. So, right. you know, sometimes a couple of weeks go by, you know, you haven't done anything and stuff like that. So, but once we really got on it and like developed it and just pushed the ball forward every week, a little more, a little more, you know, we, we, uh, we found somebody, but, uh, just a lot of trial and error. A lot of, were you guys doing all the testing yourselves? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. <laughs> no, no focus, no groups, focus no groups like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's still something we basically kind of do yeah. like, you know, we know what good product is now, especially that we're in this game and we know what people like. And so, 
we don't really beat things to death in terms of testing. Um, you know, we, we run it through a couple people, we run it through the office, um, we make sure we're, you know, getting the quality stuff that we specified and then we just say, oh, this is great, you know, let's go and then let the cu customers really give us, you know, that full feedback. Yeah. With the first order, I think you had like four pallets um, for people like don't necessarily work in in manufacturing or CPG. Like, how many wipes are we talking about on four pallets, roughly? So probably be like probably be like thirty five hundred boxes of dude wipes. Okay. Um, so that had thirty each in them. Okay. Um, so whatever thirty five hundred <laughs> times thirty is, that would be how how many individually wrapped wipes we bought, you know, to get going. But we had thirty five hundred essentially like sales to make, like thirty five hundred units yep. of thirty pack dude wipes um, we needed to get through. And you're selling those all on your website at this time, right? Uh, yes, on our website when we first launched, um, and you know we were. You know, I was knocking on the boutique door down the street and trying yeah. to sell them a couple cases and, you know, selling them out of the trunk of our my car at, a, you know, soccer games that we would play in in the city and stuff like that. So, yeah, just, just kind of moving them anywhere and everywhere um, out the gate and then um, found a couple of wholesalers early on that actually helped us, like, get through bigger chunks, you know, yep. where they were buying half of a pallet and listing them on, on Amazon and stuff like that. So that ended up being like our first little unlock to at least, you know, having a bulk order of dude wipes go out instead of selling them kind of one, two at a time. Mm -hmm. Was the customer connection pretty immediate, like with that first order? Like, were you starting to get like direct feedback from people and people resonating with like the brand? Because um, for people that may not be super familiar, it's a very authentic relationship, I feel like, that you build with consumers. Um, so just curious, like if that started, you know, way back in day one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we have photos from like when we went to, I think it's when we first got the product, but they had this like big electronic music festival called Wavefront on Montrose Beach. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was on the beach and we just filled up our backpacks full of dude wipes. We went to the festival, we handed them out to people. And just, you know, we were taking pictures with people all weekend, just holding up dude wipes. And <laughs> nobody knew <laughs> what it was, who we were. And yeah, a lot of like, well, what is this? Is this for this? Is this for that? You know, is this a condom? Like, <laughs> you know, we're like, no, it's a wipe. Like, it says it right on there. But, like, um, just, like, that gave us a lot of, because uh, things took a while to get going from a sales standpoint. But yeah. that enthusiasm was there, like, from day one. So that was kind of like infectious and contagious, like, wow, we're just handing out these things and like people want to take pictures of them. And like, you know, all of a sudden we're starting to get tagged online and stuff like that. So the customer right away, whatever it was about it, maybe just like the net newness or bluntness or them not ever seeing anything exactly like it um, was there, you know, and even if it was negative, it was there, you yep. know, like there, there was just feedback either way. It was not something that people would just go, oh, this is boring. Like it was exciting whether the person thought it was dumb or amazing. They had a strong opinion about it. Yeah. Uh, so we loved that right away. Like we knew we were we knew we were on to something, um, yep. you know, from that aspect. 
Yeah, that makes me think of, I've heard you say um, a few different times in interviews or like seen you post this like kind of thing. It's like um, one of the things that I love and admire about your brand is like realizing that you're not for everybody. Um, and that it's like you got to kind of embrace like and be true to yourself and take where, what you get versus trying to like be so watered down that you are widely um, appealing. Right. I, I think that's a huge um a huge uh, insight that you have and, and honestly like something pretty that most brands don't do. So I, I, I think that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. We learned it over time. Um, just kind of like there was always pressure to like loosen it up or, you know, be more broad and, and we did get more broad over the same, you know, token over time. Like at first, like the, the packaging was like very much for like a, bro who was like 22 to 26 or something you yeah. know like but it but it's definitely loosened up over time but at the same time it's still not for everybody and it like never will be and that's my argument about great brands like in my opinion there are no great brands like who are for everyone like a, a great brand has some sector of people who don't like it and that's like the power of like the emotional connection it's just like you can't can't have the love without the hate, you know, yeah. as I like to say. Um, so, yeah, we're uh, we're definitely kind of proud of that and, and, and who we are and, and just continuing to be that because we think that's what makes us different. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Um, we, I mean, you, you guys have a crazy um, history. Like, we could literally probably spend four hours talking about it. Um, uh, so, so I'm kind <laughs> of I'm skipping around a little bit, too, but um, and, and even giving some things maybe like short changing. So um, just realize I, I recognize there's a lot a lot deeper we could go. Um, but you had some pretty yeah. big moments like in in the next coming years, like 2013 to say, let's say 2015, 16. Um, one of my favorite things was this crazy sketch on uh, Rob Deerdeck's Fantasy Factory. It's if people haven't seen it, I kind of describe it as like a combination of like local theater level production and like the Double Dare Obstacle Course. I don't know if that's a good uh, description in your <laughs> that mind. That is very good. That is. I didn't think of it like that. Um, you know, because they like literally are coming out of like a butt and shit. It's just it's great. Um, yeah. I love the story though of like how they found out about your brand. So I wanted you to share that because I think this is this will again tell people because it's something that you haven't lost. I don't feel like over over time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the way we got on there was mailing the Fantasy Factory. We we Googled their address, uh, dude wipes, handwritten note. You know how much uh, you know we thought. Uh, we addressed it to Rob and Big, so R.I.P. Big Black. Mm, yeah. Um, but how much, uh, you know, we both thought they were funny and inspiring guys. And we know, you know, they're the entrepreneurial spirit over there at the Fantasy Factory, too. Um, so, hey, we think you guys, you know, we think these are really funny. Put a bunch of dude wipes in their handwritten note. Boom, goes out. And then, you know, a couple, maybe a month later, whenever they get it, um, you know, Big tweets about it dude wipes got my fresh ass dude wipes and like you know our minds are blown like you know uh big black just tweeted about dude wipes you know it's like one of those first big moments where like a celebrity got your stuff and just shared it for free so then like we even sent him a much bigger swag pack and we made like a 5x fresh ass dude tank top and and sent it to him and you know really kind of thanked him for uh you know posting that and so you know, organically online, every once in a while, dude wipes would come up or they would post something like that. 
And then, you know, unbeknownst to us, these conversations had been had about ideas for the next season of Fantasy Factory. And, uh, yeah, Rob and Big had both talked about doing this fun Dude Wipes Clean Hole Alliance uh, PSA, they were calling it, (laughs) where it was a PSA they wanted to put out to let people know, you know, the wipes are the better way and they need to have a clean hole and all that. And so... Yeah, that idea was happening. MTV producers called us, told us, hey, this is going on. These guys want to do a whole a whole sketch on Dude Wipes on one of their episodes. Basically, you know, do you approve? So we were like, hell yeah. You know, they sent us the release form. We sign on it. And six months later, it airs on TV. <laughs> and, you know, we, we didn't have any creative control or, or any say. So we were seeing it for the first time, just like everybody else on tv and it was absolutely hilarious you know super surreal to just have a company you know that had only been out for a couple years and now you're watching mtv with this you know big hilarious production um going on about your product so you kind of just start seeing these little ways that like you know you can manipulate like reality or whatever you know (laughs) like if you put things out there people play with them and feel the passion and just like you know things happen yeah it was it was very cool um and then that same year went on to win a visionary award uh for like like it was a consumer products conference um how did that feel at at that point like did you um i don't want to like put words in your mouth how did it feel to be there with people that like were the the sort of big players in your industry right like did do you feel like it gave you some sort of like legitimacy or like put you on the map with them so that was actually our first year our first full year in business 2013 we won that award and it's like the most innovative non-woven of the year but like what that means is like a wipe or like a swiffer has won the award before so it has to be some sort of like clothy product um so yeah, we applied for it on kind of a whim our, our first year out and we got invited down there and you pitch in front of all these, you know, experts and then the crowd of at this conference votes on the winner. And so that happening so early was huge. Again, the sales weren't there. Even things like the Fantasy Factory like hadn't happened yet. Yep. But that was uh that was akin to like seeing those people early reactions, like, okay. And these industry professionals are like, hey, no brand has ever come into this market. And we think, you know, this this uh, trend has a ton of ways to go. And you're, you know, the guys that we think could make it happen. So that definitely was another like early confidence booster for, you know, guys who had no clue what they were doing. Hey, wow, these people said it's a good idea. So just kind of that old adage on like sometimes innovation needs to come from like outside of the industry bunch of people with an idea don't know what they're doing like some sort of magic you know could happen and that's kind of what we felt yeah yeah um with with moving to, uh, a little forward i think it was like 2014 when you came out with the 48 pack that i referenced earlier um like in in mass production or more mass production yeah do you guys find that people i'm i'm very in, like genuinely and in- curious about this do people use the product exclusively or do they intermix it with other things like a toilet paper, like and sort of augment as needed? Uh, both. Both. So I would say more people use both. So more people use toilet paper than, you know, dude wipes. Um, so kind of the finisher to the sure. routine. <laughs> uh, but 
Yeah, based, you know, different survey than, you know, we see this other chunk of people who's just kind of like, you know what, I don't really use toilet paper anymore. I just use the wipe. So those are kind of like our heavy user guys. Yep. Um, but uh, I would say, you know, majority of people still use both. So like I mentioned, Sean, I mean, at this point, you know, um, you're you're seeing a, a, a much wider distribution. Um, they're literally sold at Walmart, Target, like basically everywhere. Right. Amazon, Kroger. Um you guys had a, a awesome year last year. Um, I think a stat that I saw said that it was like 1.1 billion butts wiped, which is pretty staggering. Um, yeah. <laughs> what? Um, where do you go? Like, where do you go from here? Yeah, I mean, uh, the staggering numbers on like where we came from and where we are, but we're still such a small player. Yeah. Um, so a lot of it is just continuing to to get the word out more about dude wipes, innovate more, um, and, and get more people, you know, buying our product or using it more regularly. That's kind of like goal number A is just really become a major player in the toilet paper industry. And like, just to frame it up for people, I always like to say like, we're not even 1% of the U.S. toilet paper industry yet. Yep. So, um as we've grown, it's always like uh, the more we focus, the more successful we can be. So like we want to be at least one percent. And then how do we get to two percent and really, you know, get the brand to some large level of like scale that uh, then, you know, we could start getting more creative about other things. But, yeah, we think uh, we think the world is our oyster here in this toilet paper category. Still day one kind of Bezos uh, mentality. Uh, but we are doing some other fun things like our dude bombs, you know, before you drop a bomb, you drop a dude bomb in the toilet and freshens up the whole bathroom and stuff like that. So, um, you know, we have these other little tentacles out there that are other areas like to have fun. But, uh, yeah, we, we, we want to continue to make the best product in the world and in our category. Um, and we have some innovations to make it even greener and, and better and stuff like that in the future that we want to, you know, be the first people in the industry to do. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of runway still then if, uh, if you got all that space to innovate and, and capture. Sweet. Yeah, totally. Well, thanks for, those are all my questions for the first round. Um, if you're still good, we'll move into the second round, the five for five. Let's do it. Okay. So in this round, um, it typically is, uh, it's, a uh, named after the Arby's culinary deal, of the nineties, where you get five classic roast beef sandwiches for $5, um, <laughs> five for five. five for five, love it. Um, so typically we ping pong, ping pong back and forth where you'll ask a question. I'll ask a question. Um, I, and you are the guest, so I will let you go first if you'd like. All right. Sounds good. I will say, uh, what is your favorite book? My favorite book, um, of all time. It's, it's actually, so it, it's a, I think it's a great book. I grew up in the Cincinnati area and it's very localized. So it's local interest to me. Um, I think it's a great book regardless, but I think if you're from Cincinnati, you will love it even more. It's a memoir that's called running from the devil. Um, and it's, uh, was written by this guy named Steve kissing, um, who f recounts like his life, um, thinking that he was possessed by the devil, um, because he grew up in like a Catholic West side, uh, which is like a total Cincinnati thing, but, um, you know, it's, it was very good, uh, because he's a great writer. Um, not just saying that cause he went to my college. Um, but, um, yeah, but also because, um, of the Cincinnati connections for me, it's one of my favorite books of all time. Yeah. Nice. 
My first question for you is, in your opinion, what's the best movie poop scene of all time? Uh, the Dumb and Dumber one. Okay. Where uh, Jim Carrey hits him with the laxative so he can swoop uh, Mary Swanson out on the date. Yeah. But yeah, just the gifts and the, uh, and the uh, takeaways from that one alone, uh, I think that's my top one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a really good one. <laughs> all right, it's time for your second question for me. All right, second question for you is um, favorite restaurant in Chicago? Uh, my, I know it's hard to pick one. So I know. Right. Um, I'm lowbrow as far as, like, restaurants, so um, I'm, I'm very much into, like, chains and fast casuals. I would say um, Portello's is my, would be my number one pick. It's, oh, there you it's go. so good. Um, I know it's not the perfect, right, but, uh, but it's so good, and I honestly feel like there's very few things that I've had there that I have not liked in the years that I've been here. And I always say that if we move from Chicago or when we move from Chicago, whenever that happens, uh, it, I will miss Portillo's more than any person I've met here. <laughs> um, which is maybe kind of mean. <laughs> but but now that they're doing their uh, IPO and like going, they're going to have expansion plans, maybe I won't have to leave them behind. Yeah, for sure. They're going to be everywhere. Moot point. Moot point. <laughs> Uh, my second question for you is, um, and this goes back to the business a little bit, um, what was it like to be on Shark Tank, um, and how many times did you rehearse to get down to your 90-second pitch? Uh, I mean, to be on Shark Tank was a dream come true, right? Show that I always watched, always wanted to be on, you know, actually started a business, actually was able to apply, you know, took a couple of years to get on the show, but uh, definitely, you know, surreal kind of dream come true moment of just watching something, aspiring to do it, and then actually being out there, you know, standing on that carpet. Um, yeah, I think surreal is, is the word for sure. And then uh, the pitch, I mean, probably a hundred times because because even as you're going through the rounds to actually get on the show, that's the only thing the producers are hearing from you every week. They're like, give us your 90-second pitch. Okay. Okay, we tweak this or that. If we call you next week, that means you made the next round. And when you make the next round, you're just on another video call, and they're saying, let's see your pitch again. Um, so while they know some stuff about your business, that's how they're kind of grading all of the applicants is on their pitch. Um, so... You end up doing it 20 times just to get on mm -hmm. in front of, you know, producers. So you're rehearsing it. So actually, by the time you get out there to L.A. and you do the show, you're kind of like, all right, you know, I, I could do this thing in my sleep sort of deal. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, it's time for your third question for me. Mac or PC? Uh, Mac, for sure. Um, I have to use a PC for work, and it it's surreal in the opposite <laughs> direction. <laughs> yeah, it um, yeah, I'm a Mac guy for sure. I worked in uh, creative advertising agencies for years and always had um, a Mac, and so yeah, it's a. Uh, my wife doesn't know how to use them though, so like she gets very upset, and so we have to have both at home. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, my third question for you is: What is a bad habit that you have that you can't break? Probably biting my fingernails. And yeah. sometimes I'm able to stop doing it. Uh, but, like, I, it always creeps back in. So I'm always trying to, like, grow them out and stop doing it. Uh, but for some reason, that habit always just can kind of 
creep back in. <laughs> I feel you. That's uh, that's one of my worst. That's one of my bad habits too. Um, and my wife gets so upset because she's like, they look so gross and like, yeah. <laughs> it's it's so hard though. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of people's habits. Weird habit. Yeah, absolutely. All right, it's time for your fourth question for me. All right. Um, what's the one place in the world uh, that you want to visit that you haven't been to yet? Mm, Australia. Um, I haven't done hardly any international travel. Um, my wife has done a little more than me, but like Australia, neither of us have been to. I think it's it's a combination of like the long flight duration and then just like the cost um, and taking time off work right enough to do it. So it's just like yeah, it's one yeah. of those things where it's been really hard to try to fit it in. But it's um, it's definitely on my list. It's I think I, it just seems like so, like a whole different world, honestly. Yeah, it's a journey to get out there. Have you been? Great people, though. Yeah, yeah, I went uh, like over 10 years ago. But yeah, went out there for 10 days. And yes, yeah, it was a blast. Some of the friendliest people and then just kind of beautiful coastal, like kind of California, you know, weather and scene um, just with uh, really awesome people. So definitely recommend it. Yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate. And in, in my job, I get to work with people in like international markets. And so um, the, the Australia team and New Zealand, they're they oversee Australia and New Zealand, but they're like the, the nicest people in the world. So, <laughs> um, totally. yeah, I'm sure that carries out. Uh, my fourth question for you is if you were a ghost, who's the first person that you would haunt? Ooh, I was a ghost. Who's the first person that I would haunt? Uh, I'd probably have to go after, uh, that dollar shave club guy. <laughs> um, because, Right, uh, right in our early days, it was like a year or two after we came out with Dude Wipes, we were still this, this nobody small company. They came out with the One Wipe Charlies, and that was like their second big, you know, flagship product. And, and they were already famous and, you know, raised money and successful from the whole Razors thing. And it was, it was clearly, you know, a draft off of what we'd done. Yeah. You know, it was about two years after Dude Wipes had launched. So when that came out, I was like, oh, those bastards, you know, <laughs> I thought uh, I thought we were screwed and everything like that. Um, but, you know, we, uh, you know, turns out back to kind of the things I always say, like, you could probably only be good at one thing and they're not good at butt wipes. We are. And, and they're good at razors and stuff like that. Yeah. But, uh, I go haunt them for that. Little <laughs> <rip off. laughs> I, love, I love that. I love that answer. Um, all right. It's time for your fifth and final question for me. Fifth and final question for you is, um, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Oh. Different than the vacation. Yeah. So maybe it's going to be the U.S. It's probably going to be the U.S. Um, I, <laughs> I don't, yeah, I'm, uh, it would be the U.S. And I always, I'm going to regret this if I ever go there in the summer, because I've only been non-summer, but I'm, it's always Arizona. Like, that's where we always say because you can do like yeah. so many different things. Like, um, there are a lot of people from Chicago that have moved out there or like live out there part time. So you have things like a Portillo's. You, Portillo's. you do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they also have their own great restaurants like Whataburger and Del Taco. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it, I think it would be Austra or Australia. I think it would be Arizona. Um, but like I said, I really need to go like in July and make sure I can handle that. I mean, I'm sure you just stay inside like we do here in the winter. True. Yeah, yeah. So. Sure. I don't know. I think I could. I think I could manage it, but maybe not by the time I get to like retire, if that ever happens. 
Uh, my fifth and final question for you is what's something that you normally don't tell people about yourself? I normally don't tell people about myself. Um, probably that like I'm a, like a law of attraction um, sort of fanatic. Like that is more of like a, a religion to me than a religion. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you say that pe- to people who don't really get it, they think it's like a Tony Robbins or Oprah or secret, you know, line of bullshit or something like that. <laughs> um, if they don't really understand kind of how it works and the inner workings of it. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's almost uh, something tough to explain, too. But uh, so so I don't tell people that a lot. <laughs> right on. <laughs> uh, thanks for thanks for playing the five for five round. Uh, so we'll move on to the yeah. last round here, which is the Fast Friends Fortune Teller. Um, so uh, I'm, a, I'm a little older than you probably, but like I don't know if you played with uh, these things in elementary school, these paper fortune tellers. But I'll, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll ask you a series of questions that will reveal an activity um, that we'll play, and then we'll end with a friend request. So the first is, uh, if you and I are on a road trip and we're in the car together and I ask you to start a boy band playlist, would you play the first song out of these four boy bands? Would you pick One Direction, Backstreet Boys, 98 Degrees, or NSYNC? Uh, I would probably go Backstreet Boys. Do you have a favorite Backstreet Boys song? Um, Backstreet's Back, all right. What yeah. was that one called? I don't remember. It's Everybody, Backstreet's Back. Everybody, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was a big Backstreet guy. Yeah. I like the OGs, you know. Backstreet guys, boys started it. Then, you know, they birthed the whole thing. I respect it. I guess you could argue, like, New Kids on the Block or something like that. But they were, like, the first, like, uh, boy band of, like, my era, yep. you know, that, like, I could remember. Yeah. That's a great song, too. They have They have some great songs. Um, if we stop at a gas station to get snacks, uh, out of these four snacks, would you pick corn nuts, cheez its, milk duds, or sour patch kids? Ooh, I like sour patch kids a lot. Do you have a favorite color? Um, probably like the the, the red one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was always my go-to like movie theater snack, and um, yeah, gummies or sour patch kids. Yeah, I love sour patch kids, but my do- my dentist <laughs> told me no more. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Terrible for you. <laughs> and the last question is, we stop at an exit a little further down the road. We're going to get uh, dinner through a drive through Would you pick from uh, Arby's, Burger King, McDonald's, or Wendy's? Which one of those four would you pick? Wendy's. Wendy's. Yeah, Wendy's. Get that spicy chicken or maybe a double stack uh, with cheese. Uh, but, yeah, Wendy's uh, is definitely uh, my top out of that list for sure. <laughs> All right. Uh, I respect that. The spicy chicken is is good. Um, <laughs> underneath Wendy's this week is the game Never Have I Ever. So I have this card game literally called Never Have I Ever. I'll just read like five uh, random questions from this card deck. Uh, and I will tell you that some of them are pretty messed up. Uh, <laughs> so they are being picked <laughs> at random. Uh, there are some that I've refused to even read out loud. So, uh, But most of them and are I pretty... And I say if I've done it or not after you read it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and I'll also it. answer. Like we'll both answer. Cool. Cool. Okay, uh, so the first one is, never have I ever imagined having children with a particular celebrity. I've never done uh, that. I'm sure I've had a dream about it. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you want to say which celebrity or no? What's that? Do you want to say which celebrity or no? I couldn't even, uh, I couldn't <laughs> even tell you which one offhand, but I'm sure I've had a dream about it. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> never have I ever been in a sensory deprivation tank. Oh, I've done that. Have you? Did you do the floating one? The like? 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the, fl- the float tank with the salt in there and everything where you where you float uh, in there for an hour. Yeah. I've never done it, but I'm very intrigued, and I keep getting Instagram targeted ads for one here. Um, is it worth it, do you think? It's definitely worth trying. Yeah. Like, it wasn't something that I was like, oh, I'm going to do this all the time. But, uh, A, very relaxing. B, it's just like a forced hour-long, like, meditation, essentially. But you do end up, like, seeing a little bit of colors after you're in there for so long, dark your eyes kind of do this weird adjust thing. Um, so, yeah, it's cool. I, I definitely recommend giving it a shot. Interesting. All right. I always like trying new things, too. Yeah, yeah, you've sold me on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, never have I ever been to church and a bar in the same day. Absolutely have. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We used to we used to go to the midnight mass in the bar. You know, that was, that was a combo deal. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. Two more. Never have I ever congratulated someone who wasn't actually pregnant. Boy. Uh, I have not done that. Yeah, I have not God. done that. Knock on wood. I don't congratulate them until they tell me. <laughs> yeah, right. And then I'm, even though I'm <laughs> like in my forties, I still stop for a minute to see if they're like excited about it or not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and the last one is never have I ever accidentally forwarded an email to a coworker that talked shit about them. Yeah, I, I think luckily I haven't uh, done that one either. <laughs> I have done that on accident. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually like a meeting uh, notice response um, that yeah. I didn't realize went back to them. So. <laughs> Live and learn. Damn, uh, yeah, p- right. the damn PC in Microsoft Office. <laughs> can't unsend those, unfortunately. You cannot. <laughs> so I just owned up to it. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, Sean, this is the moment that we've been building to the entire podcast. So this is the friend request uh, in the vein of Facebook. Um, Sean Riley, Logan Cummins has sent you a friend request. Based on our time that we spent together, would you confirm or delete the friend request? I would confirm, my man. It's been uh, great chatting with you. And, uh, Appreciate you having a, a fun little podcast like this. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for keeping my streak going. I think I'm like thir- in the 30s and O. I don't I don't have the full count right now. Um, awesome. Do you want to tell people? I know that we mentioned it earlier. Dude wipes are literally available everywhere. Do you want to plug any of your like uh, your own stuff or um, or the brand the products uh, like social feeds or anything like that? Yeah, man. Yeah, pick up dude wipes where you like to buy your toilet paper, and follow us uh, like Twitter and Instagram are uh, at dude wipes where we're doing you know the, doing the most. And if you want to connect uh, with me, hit me up on on LinkedIn, and I'm sharing some uh, some of the stuff we're up to and, and the journey on there as well. Awesome. Thanks so much. And if you're listening, we'll put those uh, links in the show notes as well for you to easily click on them. Awesome, Sean. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for being my friend. Um, It was great getting to talk about Dude Wipes and getting to know you a little better. Have a great day, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Fast Friends Podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for an all-new episode. Go ahead and hit subscribe so you don't miss it. You can follow me on Twitter at Logan Cummins. And if you have a suggestion on someone that I should be friends with, go ahead and let me know at fastfriendspodcast.com.